Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA Podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Mitchell and Jessica Kanata. If you're looking for ways to bring rigor and engagement to your middle school ELA classroom without sacrificing your nights and weekends, then this podcast is for you. Our goal is to provide you with your weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can actually enjoy teaching again. We'll help you bring the fun and creativity to your ELA lessons so that your students master the standards and you can leave school when the bell rings. Get ready to be that teacher you've always wanted to be to do great work and thrive. All right, we're going to talk about one of my least favorite things in the entire world. It makes me laugh so hard. She literally was like, oh man, I hate this, but in a good way, like this is a good discussion. (laughs) Totally. I think it's great too. So we're going to talk about literature circles and we're going to talk about that. They're pointless, quite frankly, unless you're doing these three things. So I still, even with these three things, I still don't love literature circles. I'm still not a fan for a lot of reasons. And we can maybe have a whole other podcast episode about that some other time, but we know a lot of you do literature circles. And we want to be able to support you to make sure that your literature circles are really relevant are really meeting the mark or making sure that their standards line, helping our students elevate them to the next level. Um, so that's why we put this podcast episode together for you. Um, I still feel the way that I do about them and we still get to help you. So it's a, a win-win it's a both. And it's not an either, or, so I want you to think about, you know, one of your favorite things as a teacher. And for me, it was absolutely just hearing my students talking about books, talking about the literature that we're reading or talking about their independent texts that they're sharing with one another, whatever it is, right? Just those conversations that are authentic, that are real, that they're having about books, about reading, about concepts from our books. Like it's so, so special as a teacher and we can develop and really enhance and nurture intentionally that type of buzz with literature circles when you use these three different strategies that we're going to share. Because like I said, we're honest about this. Like I am not a fan. I know Jessica maybe doesn't hate them as much as I do, like to no, the but extent they're that not I my do. favorite though. <laughs> they're not our favorite, that's for sure. Um and you know, typically they're run with students like in small groups, yes, discussing their different books. And it's completely student led. It has just a little bit of structure up front for the teacher in regards to the different roles that they have, like discussion director or literary luminary, vocabulary enrich or whatever. And again, I'm not passing judgment. I'm just saying I don't particularly like this approach. Because these roles that seem to be so prominent with literature circles, they, in our mind, ultimately like weaken the level of critical analysis that's possible with an effective literature circle. So if you are doing this, we're not judging you. And if you're doing this, we suggest like, what if we took a step back and thought about, huh, how could I elevate it a little bit more? How could I make a little change here and there? And how can I really think about what I'm doing and its purpose and its intention? And is it actually serving that? And I think that's such a cool thing that we get to do um, as teachers, you know, at least when I was in the classroom that I think some of us don't do because we, and this is like a whole interesting separate discussion. Like as teachers, that's a, a part of our identity. Like it's a huge part of our identity. Like someone asks you, Oh, like, who are you? I'm a teacher. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not even like I'm a mom, I'm a sister or whatever. I'm an athlete. I'm a teacher it was like so embedded in our identity. And so I think when we would have like principals come in and observe us, or we'd get negative feedback or constructive criticism, it's hard because it feels like an attack on us personally because it's so embedded in our identity as opposed to like, oh, this is just a part of who I am that I want to get better and improve upon. You know, I was even working on something with my brother last night and he was giving me like harsh feedback. 
And he's like, are you just okay? like a brother? Right. Yeah. He's like, is, he's like, can I keep going? I was like, dude, lay it on me. Like I, I do not take offense to anything. Like I want to get better. And I think that that is, is hard for us to do sometimes as teachers, because it's so embedded into who we are. So I think if we can create that separation, that teaching is not identity necessarily, it's just an aspect of what I do. And I want to improve what I do because we all want to be the best version of ourselves. I think that this is a great conversation for you to start to think about if you are doing literature circles, you know, what ways do you get to improve, you know, and you get to think about your craft a little bit differently. So I want you to think about, you know, if you're currently doing literature circles, if you've ever experienced, you know, one of the following things, have you had in your literature circles, you know, the discussion is just completely surface level, like complete, you're walking around, you're like, come on, are you serious right now? Right. Or a lot of your students are off task, right. And maybe you have just like those one to two students that are absolutely carrying the weight of the group, right. They're doing all of the work. Or then you have literature circles that drag on for weeks and weeks, right? And you're left wondering, gosh, could I have done something maybe a little bit better with my class time, right? And so if any of that sounds familiar to you, then this episode is going to be really helpful in considering how to maybe like adjust or best structure your lit circles while you still can keep your students engaged. They're going to have rigorous learning, you know, rich discussions. And so we're going to talk about this in more detail and really give you some clear cut strategies that you can take and go use in your classroom. And I think what you said right there is key, right? These are clear cut strategies because I've been in classrooms where they did drag on for weeks and where it was like, oh my gosh, they're just summarizing this book every single class period. Mm-hmm. And I hate that, right? It was frustrating to like <laughs> observe that. And that's where we came up with these key components to make literature circles effective. So hopefully you can like take notes on these and just say, okay, am I doing that with my lit circles? Mm-hmm. Because truly they really can be effective but it's when you're doing all three of the components that we're going to talk about. If you're only doing one or two, you're still going to be left with gaps in your, like in the effectiveness of the discussion that's taking place. So here are the three components of effective lit circles. Number one, setting expectations. Number two, preparing your students for discussions. And number three, implementing standards-based activities to keep students focused and engaged in their conversations. And those might sound pretty basic when you hear them up front, but we're really going to dive into them and uh, give you some like concrete ways you can set this up in your classroom, because it's when you put all three of those together that all of a sudden your lit circles can become incredibly powerful. And you're like, Oh, this wasn't a waste of my class period. Oh, my students are learning. They are mastering the standards. Hmm, Maybe I will try this again later on this year. So our EB literature circle resource that we've created, we absolutely have kept these three components in mind. And if you're an EB teachers club member and you have access to this resource, you'll notice that we're not just giving roles to your students. There's nothing there like, oh, you know, so-and-so student is the literary luminary. Like that sounds fun and all, but that's where the surface level stuff happens. But we want to share with you how we structured these lit circles. And it might give you some ideas whether or not you use this resource to how to set it up for yourself. So first things first, instead of having students divide their tasks and roles and then talk about a set of chapters, because that's how it's currently done, we've created activities in which all students in a group focus on the same literary concept at once, sharing their thoughts and building on each other's thinking. 
This is key, right? Because before it would be like, okay, Caitlin's in charge of vocabulary. And Caitlin might share like three vocabulary words she didn't know and what the definitions are. Okay, next, Jessica, you had to come up with some critical thinking questions. Ask the questions, move on. Like what's really happening there, right? Everyone just did their part and moved on. So how we've structured it is we're all working on a shared experience. So it's really going to elevate the discussion. It's going to lead to more robust and critical discussions. And it's going to ensure that the activity is standards aligned and every single person is participating. So we're going to go ahead and go much deeper with these aspects for you now. Cool. Um, sorry, if you're watching us on YouTube, I just like stood up because my dog is outside and I, my, my, with my babysitter with my son, I just want to make sure everything is good over there. Checking everything. I like yes, it. Just checking everything. <laughs> I do want to say one thing, you know, I can see how with literature circles, like dividing things up and dividing up roles. It's like, we are trying to create like a learning, like an authentic learning experience for them of what life's going to be like in the real mm -hmm. world. You know, when we do projects with team members, like you break things up, whatever. And I think there are a hundred percent different opportunities to be able to do that same exact thing, as opposed to using lit circles as like the, the lens and the window through which to teach that. Um, so I think we get to kind of separate that purpose between the two, because if we have like an actual project-based activity that we're working on together, like a mock trial, which we just talked about last week, right. Is a perfect example that we divvy up roles and we're all working toward a common goal, but it's intentional. It is this final outcome, this common goal. And I think that literature circles is a place that misses the mark in that regard, if that's your intention. So, um, before we do what Jessica just talked about, you know, if you're not familiar with literature circles, they are when small groups of students gather together to discuss a piece of literature in depth. So each group might be discussing the same group, or I'm sorry, same book, or each group might be discussing a different book. So it just depends on how, you know, a particular teacher decides to set them up, but no matter which way you are using literature circles in your class, it's really essential to incorporate those three elements that Jess talked about, right? Setting expectations expectations, preparing students for the discussion, implementing standards-based activities. So I want to dive into that first component of setting up effective literature circles, and that's setting the expectations. So I want to break this down into what this actually means, like what's included in setting expectations. So the first thing that you'll want to do, and this is where you might want to take notes and pause or come back and like know where in the episode you're listening to this so you can write things down. You want to map out like how often your students are meeting to discuss their books. So you really have like a structure to what you're doing, you know, determine how many literature circle meetings your students are going to have and set a clear end date for when students will complete their book by. So there is this end goal, right? There is this end to our literature circles and they're not going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And we're like, oh my gosh, that one group still is, you know, we're going to summarizing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, number two is you want to decide what ELA topics students will focus on during their literature circles. So this sets the expectations for your students that you mean business, right? This is not some laid back discussion time. Like Jessica said, to summarize what they've read and copy down some vocabulary definitions. Like, um, quite frankly, like that's a freaking waste of time, you know? And instead this is student led critical thinking discussions with the expectation that students submit work to showcase their group's participation. And then number three, you want to share with students how they will be assessed for their literature circle participation, you know, show them your rubrics and clearly go over the expectations for each meeting with them. So if students are meeting, let's say twice a week to have their lit circle discussions, 
we need to prepare them for. And that's component number two of setting up effective lit circles. So in lit circles we've seen in the past, often the biggest reason that they're not effective is because students, frankly, don't know what to discuss. So that's why they keep summarizing and they kind of ask these surface level questions, right? Yeah, maybe they're sharing a few unknown words and maybe you've given them a few guided questions to discuss, but they answer them quickly and they move on. And then it's like the rest of the class period, they're like, sweet, this is a free period. And they start talking about anything else or doing homework for another class or whatever it is. And we don't want that. So to set the tone and show students what's expected of them during their lit circle discussions, it's essential to prepare them, right? So how do you prepare them? Well, one of the ways you can do this, and this is what we do with our lit circles resource is we have a practice lit circle meeting. So this is truly practice and it's before the lit circles actually begin. So in this practice meeting, students aren't even going to discuss a book at all. Instead, the purpose of this initial meeting is for them to just kind of get acquainted with each other and practice having a discussion. So they're goal, because that's what they're going to be doing with all their discussions is sharing ideas, building on each other's thinking, considering multiple points of view, and then coming to a greater understanding. If that's their goal for all their lit circle discussions, we absolutely have to practice that with them. Right. And we need to let them know that, look, during a lit circle discussion, you all don't have to agree on everything. It's okay to disagree, but how do we do that? You know, politely and effectively where everyone can walk away with a stronger and broader view of the topic, whether or not they agree with each other. And when you think about that, like that's a tall order for middle schoolers, right? If they're not explicitly taught how to have a high level discussion like that, you can see why they so easily just go back to, you know, talking what the chapter was about asking those basic level questions. So in this practice lit circle discussion, we really set the expectations for students. We have them support their um, reasoning with evidence. We have them listen carefully to each other and we discuss protocol for what to do, whether they agree or disagree. So how we set it up is we give our students five questions to discuss and reflect on. And again, it's practice for those future discussions. You might want to write these five questions down that they are. What is something that is really popular now, but future generations will think is silly Two, what's the worst piece of advice a person could give three. And this one always causes debate. I feel like it's totally silly. Should toilet paper hang over or under the roll? Next one. What's the most important skill everyone should know. And finally, number five, if we ever find evidence of intelligence beyond earth, should we try to contact them? So notice these are like very open-ended questions. There's room for debate. There's room for agreement or disagreement, right? So we want students to discuss them and practice those skills. And we also want to provide them with effective sentence stems so that they can have a very polite discussion. So what we've done is we've come up with sentence stems for our students to use. And we, we think it's best, honestly, if you like laminate them and use them as bookmarks or put them on a student's desk. So when they meet in their lit circles, they can use these and they might sound kind of cheesy at first, but they really are effective. Mm -hmm. And so some of the sentence stems we give our students are things like, I feel the same way as blank because blah, blah, blah. Or I have a different interpretation than blank or here's how I read it. And also I can see that about X, but I don't agree with Y because. So you'll see that it really helps students like focus their discussion. 
And I absolutely did this with my fifth graders. I had my sentence stems like as a poster in my room because we didn't have lit circles, but we definitely had Socratic seminars and other discussions. And quick story. I remember one day, um, Caitlin and I shared principal, his name was Chris. He came into my classroom when our students or my students were having their discussions and he overheard Brian, one of my sweetest students say, Ashley, I politely disagree with you. And here's the evidence I found to support my thinking. And like, Chris looks over at me and he was like, what in the world is that? He's like, that is amazing. Like, oh my God. And he was like laughing. Cause he's like, I cannot get over that fifth graders are talking like this. And I hadn't told Brian to say that or anything. He just had those sentence stems on the board and he was using that. And I'll be honest, like that was commonplace in my classroom because those expectations were set at the beginning and then students were prepared and had higher level discussions. And when you do that with your own students, it really opens the doors for different opinions and it allows students to practice supporting their opinion with evidence. And it allows them to work on, you know, effectively agreeing and disagreeing with a classmate. So after you have this practice discussion with your students on those silly questions and they use those sentence stems, then you come back together as a class. So picture like multiple groups in your classroom are doing that practice discussion, just like in a lit circle. So then whole class, you come back together and you reflect on it and you discuss as a group stuff like, well, did anyone agree or disagree during your discussion? Like explain what happened or in which discussion question was there the most agreement or the most disagreement, which talk stem did you find the most helpful? What worked well in your discussion or what might you repeat in the future? Or alternatively, what didn't work well in your discussion? And what do you and your group mates want to avoid for next time, right? So you reflect on that as a whole class. And now you're really getting the feel of, okay, this is what an effective discussion should look like. And after your students have done that practice discussion, then they're ready to start participating in like the real lit circle discussions that include those standards aligned activities that will really keep them focused, really keep them engaged. I love the whole practice discussion concept because I do the same thing with Socratic seminar Mm -hmm. and it's just like, it makes perfect sense, you know, to be able to do this for our students with literature circles as well. Um, So we're going to share with you now some of the activities in our EB resource that Jessica was mentioning so that you can, you know, go ahead and create these on your own. If you're not interested in creating them on your own, they're also in our TPT store. We'll include the link for you. And I always forget the word in the show notes. (laughs) And then if you're an EB Teachers Club member, you can, of course, use one of your free coupon codes to grab um, these resources as well. But the purpose is that these are standards aligned, right? Like Jessica mentioned, they're standards aligned activities and students are therefore having those more critical thinking discussions instead of just that surface level stuff. You know what I mean? Um, A quick note that if you are an EB Teachers Club member, a lot of these activities in our literature circles are rinse and repeat activities, meaning you might already have them in like a different resource. And even if you've purchased on TPT, you might already have them in a different resource, but they've been modified specifically to fit a literature circle like moment, if you will, a literature circle like experience for our students. Um, So let's go ahead and dive into some of these activities so you can start to see like, how can I incorporate this type of a concept? Could I do the same exact thing, et cetera? So the first activity, and I love this one, is a settings activity. 
So in this particular activity, students are going to draw how they picture the setting of their stories. So they're going to support then their visualizations with quotes from the text. So it's like they'll draw it, but then it's like they have to justify their artistic reasoning, basically, with evidence from the text. And that can be elevated even more and be even more standards aligned by adding questions for students to answer, such as, you know, how does the setting shape the plot? Or how does the setting shape the characters? And in our most dangerous game resource, this is something that I did with my students when I was in the classroom, you know, students draw the island that they're on and they label key locations and they provide evidence for why they came up with that artistic choice. And then they can go even further, like I just mentioned, answering even deeper questions about how setting really impacts a lot of different things within that particular text. So a setting activity can be great to do as one of like the first literature circle activities and discussions for a book. Um, and then students can revisit the discussion questions again toward the end of the book to see if their answers have changed. So it's really cool to come back to it as, you know, their opinions and more information's garnered and they have these different discussions. You know, do they still feel the same way that they did at the beginning? I always love coming back to, to those types of discussions, like those mm -hmm. first full circle things. Another activity that you can do um, is a characterization activity. So this activity begins with um, our what's going on in the mind of. It's like what, you know, with the character, like what's the character thinking? And so I want you to think of this as like a template of a large profile of a, just a generic person, right? It's just like the profile of a head, essentially. And students choose a character from the book that their group is reading. And all of the students can choose the same character. They can be different. doesn't matter. Um, and then they'll divide the profile into different sections. Like literally imagine someone's head in like the silhouette and like draw like boxes, right? And like, you know, different sections of the head and they'll add images or symbols or quotes to reflect that particular character. You know, then students after that, will share their completed profiles with their group. They'll talk about why they drew particular things or chose specific quotes. They'll use evidence from the text that supports their position and their, again, artistic choices. So we get to like tie in um, a little bit more of that like artistry, right? And that creativity to these discussions, which I think is really cool for those students who are more um, creative in that regard with like art, um, with art and things like that. And so this literature circle discussion then gets to focus our students' discussions on those inner workings of significant characters from the novel. Like what a way to go deep with a character than to provide symbols, to provide imagery, to provide quotes, whatever it is about why that particular character is the way that they are. Love it. Okay, next activity you can do with your Lit Circle discussions is um, an author's craft activity. So with this, you have students write questions as if they're interviewing the author of the particular novel that their group is reading. And then group members take turns playing the interviewer and the author as they consider different choices the author made in their writing. So let's break this down. So like first part of the literature circle discussion, you might give your student a list of techniques that authors use in their writing. So these are things like word choice, dialogue, punctuation, sentence structure, dialect, figurative language, sound devices like alliteration or onomatopoeia, even sensory imagery. So students like have a list of those things. They discuss those things and then they look through the text, whatever they've read up to at that point, the first three chapters or whatever it is. And they take note and they discuss instances of those in their particular text. 
So after students have considered those different types of choices that an author makes while crafting a novel, then they're ready to interview the author of their lit circle novel, or in this case, you know, it's just their classmate, right? So students write three interview questions regarding the author's craft. And the questions they write should be really specific. You want them to reference page numbers. You want them to give direct quotes as when possible, right? So I want to give you some sample ones. So you kind of get an idea of what your students maybe should be asking. So they might write something like, on page 72, I noticed that you chose to have Diana whisper her question instead of say it more loudly. Can you explain your choice to do that? Or why'd you write this story in first person instead of third person? Or why did you start your novel with a flashback? What influenced your choice to focus on the topic of change in this novel? Or what was your purpose of using a simile to compare Joshua's town to a beehive on page 122? Notice they're specific, right? Students are going to really have to dig deep in the text to come up with answers for this. So if those are the questions that I came up with, I would then trade with my partner. So I might give them to Caitlin and she would answer those questions as if she were the author. So she kind of has to make some inferences here. She has to go back in the text. So that's part of the lit circle. And if this is taking too long, you see your students, you know, it's, it's taking up a whole class period or whatever. You then extend it to the next lit circle meeting and you have your students share their interviews. So I would read my questions. Caitlin would answer them. And then she would read her questions and I would answer them. And my whole lit circle group would be listening in on those interviews. So I love that, you know, students are the ones coming up with the questions. They're still going back and finding evidence from the text. They're practicing their speaking and listening skills, like so many good things happening with that one activity. Awesome. I love it. I think that those are really helpful, like places to start too. Mm -hmm. you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm convinced I'm going to try something a little bit differently, like start with those three. Um, and you'll see like, you know, in these activities that we've shared with you, they all have students working on a particular standards aligned skill that allows their discussions to go deeper. We want to avoid just the summary. Yes, there's a time and place to teach summary, but that is not every time they're sitting in lit circles, right? And this way everyone's accountable for their work, right? With these activities, that ensures that you don't just have one or two students who are doing all of the work while the others get by with like little participation. And that's not serving those students at all, right? These activities require input from all of your students that results in more effective literature circles. And so we really hope that, you know, after listening to this, that if you do choose to incorporate literature circles this year with your students, that you go back to and recall those three components of effective lit circles. Number one, set those expectations that we outlined for you. Number two, prepare your students for the discussions that they will have. And then number three, incorporate those standards-based activities to keep students focused and to keep them engaged in their conversations. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's it. I mean, you kind of convinced me that they're not the worst in the world, <laughs> hey, but progress. Uh, I still don't like them. <laughs> um, all right, you guys, well, hopefully this is really helpful for you, you know, as you incorporate literature circles into your classroom. Um, and yeah, we're moving into October now, which is We've got some fun podcast episodes planned that we'll be doing some like Halloween spooky short stories. I guess Lots that'll make up for the fact that summer is over. It's I over. Just... Oh, but fall is so much fun. I don't like fall at all. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I know you do. It's so funny. Summer is like, oh, my favorite thing in the whole wide world. If I could just live somewhere where it's summer all the time, I would be very happy. You could move closer to me. Not, Not a chance. Me. No, it has to be somewhere in California. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much for joining us this week. And we will see you next week on the podcast. Hi, everybody. 